How does the lineup change when Robert Williams comes back? Who should go to the bench? It's part of the Mailbag Monday podcast right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O'B. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I'm here for you every day, and it was literally every day. I've been podcasting for a week straight, and I'm back with another one. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the show on YouTube. I love it that you make this show your first listen every day. I'm John Corrales. I'm a former professional basketball player. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've also written a book called Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. Celtics had a day off travel day back home on Sunday. So I figured, what the hell? Let's let's open up the mailbag. Let's get back to a mailbag Monday and start your week off with some answers to some questions. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com. Slash locked on NBA. Lots of questions coming up later on. So you have fun, some, some fun ones later on. Questions about the competition, about the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have lost four in a row now. Uh, in the second segment, we'll get into Sam Hauser's opportunity and Peyton Pritchard and an extension of what I was talking about with Peyton Pritchard keeping him around. First, by the way, before I get into the question about Robert Williams, just a note on Monday. Malcolm Brogdon still out with the right hamstring tightness, but Jalen Brown and Al Horford are back. They're the only other two on the injury report, minus like the mainstays, Rob and Gallo for now. But as far as the rotation guys who have been playing this year, Al and uh Al and Jalen are back. Brogdon is out. Jason Tatum not on the injury report. Thought he might be after playing such big minutes. And having played big minutes all, all season long, OKC Thunder on a back-to-back. But maybe they might sit him. There's still a chance they might sit him. But I, I think he's going to play. So as of right now, maybe uh, just Brogdon out. And maybe they just try to limit Tatum's minutes. They give him a couple of extra stints. And if uh, the Thunder are appropriately bad, maybe you just keep him on the bench. You just give him a, a nice... 20 minute game and that that'll serve as limiting his minutes. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. You never know with OKC though. They they're dangerous. They play hard. Obviously they're not very good, but dangerous and plays hard is is you know that that that's a recipe to for a potential loss any night on the in the NBA. It, it's just possible. I know you look at the the numbers and the stats and everything and you say, yeah, they should wipe the floor with the Thunder and they might wipe the floor with the Thunder. They should absolutely you play hard. The play hard teams are always in it for at least a little while. So we'll see how that goes. Let's get into Nathan's question, though, who talked about Robert Williams and said, Derek White should remain the starter when Time Lord comes back. White should stay a starter, push Horford to the bench, 
It solves multiple problems, allows for easier rest days for Rob and Al without disrupting rotations. It also plays the best players. Double big lineup last year was partially due to how thin the bench was. Lineup now comes at the expense of minutes for White. Uh, Hauser and Grant, they can go double big occasionally as a wrinkle, but that lineup starting means Cornette minutes at the expense of White and Hauser, and that doesn't make any sense. That's a long question, but he made a lot of good points, and I want to make sure I get all of that out there. It's true. It's true. And and we've talked about it a little bit before. Tom and I, Tom Westerholm and I, there is some question I think about Robert Williams coming back and moving Al Horford to the bench. It's a great way to limit his minutes, uh, but also you go double big to start and you bring Al off the floor four minutes into the game, five minutes into the game, and it still brings a lot of a lot of single big lineups. You can start double big and just ramp up your defense and protect the rim and and really focus on the defense. And after a short stint, Horford can come out. Uh, shortly thereafter, Tatum can come out. And Jalen can go out there with Robert Williams for a while. And you can bring Horford and Tatum back with Brogdon in the second unit. That could be a way to go. Um, or you take Time Lord out and have Tatum and Robert Williams in that second unit with Brogdon and Hauser and Grant Williams. And now you have shooting all over the place and Rob running down the middle. So there are, there are options there, but it does raise a good question. How much do you want to play Luke Cornett when you've got Al and Rob? Well, he's there for a reason. And I think I'm okay with some Cornett minutes. If they limit Al Horford's minutes and if they're just spot minutes, five minutes here, five minutes there, a five-minute stretch for Cornette in the second quarter and a five-minute stretch for Cornette spanning the third and the fourth, probably okay. You don't have to do it in games where it's a tight game, but you can. he can hold down the fort. He's shown he can hold down the fort. I think as the season has progressed, some of these things are starting to present themselves as expected. Cornette, with the slow start, with the ankle injury, he's now shown capable, just capable as a third big. When Rob is healthy, 10 minutes a game for him to, to keep the bigs minutes down, I think it's worth it. The other thing is you bring Derek White off the bench, and it's easier to withstand the minutes without Jalen or Jason. You, you bring, you sacrifice some size, but obviously Derek off the bench still gives you playmaking and shooting and, and defense. So I'm kind of torn. I really am torn. These are good points. And, and I'll be honest with you. One thing I'm afraid of, if you go double big is taking away the lanes for, for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to drive Tatum, especially because the whole point of this MVP run, the whole one of the key points of this MVP run, I should say, is how Tatum is attacking, how Tatum is getting to the front of the rim, how Tatum is playing through contact. Jalen, of course, is doing a lot of the same stuff. But these developments for both of those guys, Tatum especially, because Tatum hasn't been doing it. Jalen has to a much greater degree than, than Jason has over the course of their careers. Tatum is now finally 
getting that north-south attack the front of the rim type of play. You bring Robert Williams back, and does, does that take away some of the lanes? Because one of the reasons why Tatum can get to the front of that rim is, well, Horford is, is shooting three-pointers like at the best clip of his career. And he's on the floor. Tatum is on the floor with Jalen and Smart, who, okay, he's not as great a three-point shooter, but he's still a perimeter guy that pulls a defender away, and you can't park that guy in the middle of the lane. And you're playing with Derek White, who's been shooting at like 41% this season. So that's a lot of floor spacing. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of ball movement. And it creates a lot of lanes. Does Rob's return diminish the lanes that that Tatum will have? And there's, there's there's a concern there. On the flip side of that, okay, he diminishes the lane. But the whole point of... Robert Williams is all right. You want to come over and and Jason Tatum is averaging thirty five or something thirty three, and you want to take away six points at the rim? No problem. We'll just add three assists to Tatum's total, and those will all be lobs to Robert Williams. And that's the counter. That's the answer. So there are arguments either way. Should both bigs start? Should you? Go with Rob. Should you bring Rob off the bench? Which is absolutely no. I shouldn't have even brought that up. But somebody has suggested that, and I shouldn't have even brought that up. There are there are certainly different schools of thought. And I'm really interested in how Joe Missoula handles this. Where does Joe Missoula, a guard who he clearly is okay with, with going small. That's what the Celtics are. They're a better small team now because of how, because they don't have Rob, Robert Williams, is he just going to say, "Hey, let's roll with that a little bit more," and and maybe you maybe you do move Al Horford to the bench, maybe you do, maybe maybe it's as simple as subbing him out early and you go with it that way. But I can see I can see the argument for Derek White remaining a starter. I can see a lot of possibilities here. We're just going to have to wait and see how it all plays out from there. More questions coming up, including Sam Hauser's opportunity and why Cornette and Peyton Pritchard are guys the Celtics have faith in and should stick around. First, let's talk about LinkedIn and LinkedIn jobs, something I know that I wish I had as part of my dad's small business uh, growing up. And yeah, we were in the restaurant industry, but the internet didn't exist back then and we didn't have LinkedIn jobs. And the beauty of LinkedIn jobs is It gives you a great pool of candidates, whatever industry you're in, the great pool of candidates is what you need. So just like a a basketball team, you can have your tryouts and you whittle down and you make your cuts and you find the player that you want exactly. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word and then As you're making your cuts, simple tools like screening questions. They make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then after that, who you want to hire. Very simple. It takes a few clicks and it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. 
That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. After you're done listening to this show all the way to the end, I hope you make Locked On Sports today your second listen. It's the games that matter, the biggest stories in all sports. It's a 22-minute podcast that gets you caught up on all the big stuff with the Locked On experts like this network can only provide. It's a great show. You want to sound smart around the water cooler, check out Locked On Sports today wherever you get your podcasts, also on YouTube. Back to the questions. And Uni says, uh, with 2020 hindsight, was the Gallinari injury a blessing in disguise because it freed up playing time for Sam Hauser, which has allowed him to flourish with the consistent minutes? Look, it can absolutely, in hindsight, be uh, a blessing in disguise. With the obvious caveat that no one wishes an injury on anybody, but injuries happen, and that's the that's the world of the NBA in professional sports. Somebody goes down, and there's the immediate "who will step up" type of question. You, there's not a lot of compassion for the guys who get hurt because it's immediately what happens next. Everything marches forward, and Sam Hauser is the beneficiary. I will also say, though, it's entirely possible that Gallinari could have been hitting shots, maybe not exactly like Sam Hauser, but Gallinari's a good shooter, and maybe he wouldn't be hitting at the same clip, but maybe he would have been hitting threes in a similar fashion. Would he Would he have been, I don't know, he, he's... He's not the best defender in the world, but he would have been out there moving around. He's a really, really good shooter with a lot of experience. Maybe maybe it would have been better. Maybe the offense would be even better with Gallinari. It's a blessing in disguise for Sam Hauser. That's for sure, because Sam now gets the opportunity to get out there and be the shooter. And it may be a blessing in disguise for the Celtics front office where now you have Gallinari's contract that you can potentially add to another salary and bring in a player that makes more money than you could have gotten with just the traded player exception. That is entirely possible as well. A 10 or $11 million player, depending on how you want to package the salaries and whatnot. That's, you probably wouldn't entertain the thought of trading Danilo Gallinari during the course of the season had he been healthy. But now that he's not, moving him makes total sense. Moving his contract makes total sense and using it as a trade as as money to aggregate salaries in a deal to bring somebody else in without giving up any of your core pieces, that makes sense. You look across the league and teams that are overachieving that may, may take good money or, or or good deals for when it comes to the Celtics perspective, they, for, for, for players that are helping them win, they might want to just say, Hey, we're, we're, we're still selling off. So it's, it's possible that those things are uh, happening now that they wouldn't have happened had Gallinari not gotten hurt, but I will leave open the possibility that Gallo could have come in and hit threes 
at a basically similar clip as Hauser, and it wouldn't have had the exact same pinache that Hauser has because Hauser's shot just looks so pretty, and he's such an unknown that whenever he hits four or five shots like that, people are just like, wow, I can't believe that Sam Hauser, where do you, I can't believe they found this guy. If Gallinari's hitting him, then it becomes a more calm, hey, that's what they got Gallo for. That's why they gave him the mid-level. Look at him out there hitting three of four, three of five, four of seven. So it's possible. It's possible that he could have flourished himself. And hey, in over the course of the season, Gallinari could have gotten hurt and Hauser could have stepped up and it would have been a different story. It might have ultimately been the same thing, just a different storyline. So, uh, yeah, Paul says, just finished watching the Nuggets game. That's why you don't trade Pritchard, and that's why they have faith in Cornette. Those guys made major contributions. I talked a little bit about this. If you missed the post-game podcast, bonus post-game podcast, after the Friday and Saturday night games, I have been pretty strong. I'll kind of reiterate what I said then. Pretty strong in my belief that Pritchard might not survive uh, this season in Boston and may end up being moved somewhere else. And as I was just saying with Gallinari, you could package Gallinari and Pritchard and a team could see Pritchard as a good return along with a pick Gallinari as not expiring, but manageable, a fine contract to have around. And Hey, maybe next year he's healthy enough to make a contribution off the bench, a team might, or, or, or an expiring contract next year that they can trade. So, Pritchard might still be most valuable to this, this team as a trade piece. However, as I said after the uh, Friday night game, with Malcolm Brogdon being uh, certainly missing games, right? Like he just, he's, he's missing another game against OKC. He's definitely out for that. And side note, why not? Celtics are 10 and 3. And they're playing OKC. Why don't rush him back? Let him let him sit. Let him take an extra day. Be absolutely sure about him. Because you have Pritchard as a luxury off the bench, you have that ability to throw another guy in there that can play that spot. So you have Brogdon, who is, for lack of a better term, he brings some fragility to that position. And Marcus Smart is constantly diving and falling and he's going to miss some games here or there. He always does. I understand there, there may be a player that comes available that you might need Pritchard to, to make a trade. And that will certainly be fine. If that ends up being the case, a valuable player that if you can get that guy for Pritchard and he can go get his opportunity, then fine. But for now, I can, I can, also hear the argument. I can certainly uh, listen to it and say you got a good point in keeping the depth for the Celtics at the point guard position because Brogdon and Smart are going to probably miss more time along the way. Having a guy like Pritchard deep on your bench, that is truly a luxury. It's truly the to to 
instead of reaching back to your 10th man and having it be some guy that's either, you know, a guard version of Blake Griffin, you have a young, hungry player that's proven, that's played playoff minutes for you. So I, I can certainly hear the argument for keeping him around. And the same thing with Cornette, as I said before. Cornette has proven exactly what we thought he would be. Fine. When I said in the offseason, look, Cornette is going to be fine. He's fine. This is exactly it. This is exactly the fine basketball that you're getting from Cornette. Nothing great. Yeah, he got, you know, he almost put up a double-double the other night. He had that fun put-back reverse slam. Great. When Rob is back, much less of a role. But in a third big role, he's fine. He's proven himself to be fine. Great. Up next, questions about the competition. What's Cleveland going to do, especially now they've lost four in a row? And a fun question about playing ball in sweatpants? That is coming up next. I would not have bet on that. I wish betonline.net could have put odds on me getting a question about sweatpants, but they don't. What they are is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get all the latest odds and the trends for every professional amateur league out there. You got football, you got basketball, obviously you got soccer, you got esports. It's all over that betonline.net. So use your mobile device to head on over to the website. Uh, it's a very fast and easy way to get your betting fix. Bet online is where the game starts. Please gamble responsibly. Hey, when you're done with this podcast, your first listen every day, want another option for your second listen? Locked on NBA. I host on Wednesdays. I'm also making an appearance on the Monday Locked on NBA show. So check that out. Locked on NBA, wherever you get this podcast, wherever you found it, even on YouTube. It's a great, fun way to keep up with the rest of the league. 30 minutes or so every podcast. Lots of fun. Again, I'm on Wednesdays with Jake Madison of Lockdown Pelicans. I'll be in New Orleans, so Jake and I will will be uh, on multiple podcasts together this week and in person. That's going to be a lot of fun, too. Check out Lockdown NBA wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the questions. Todd said, Celtics and Bucks, top teams in the East. Cleveland will really have to consider uh, Love's expiring contract for Gordon Hayward as they have no more assets and desperately uh, need a solid wing for the playoffs. They don't have the assets for Harrison Barnes, so you need an available wing. I can certainly see the the interest there. Kevin Love has he's been there for so long and has accepted his role, and I think having a vet like him there, I don't know if there's more value to that than going out and finding a, a, a wing, especially if that wing is Gordon Hayward. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Love's the most durable guy in the world either, but if you trade Kevin Love to bring in Gordon Hayward, fine. But Hayward just can't stay on the floor. He cannot stay on the floor. And you're really putting in a risk. So I don't know if Gordon Hayward's the target, but maybe maybe they become players searching for, for a wing. Maybe they become players for Jay Crowder. Is there a way for them to get Jay Crowder? Is that going to help them? But I can certainly see the Cavaliers currently eight and five, currently lost four games in a row. Only the Charlotte Hornets, who have lost eight in a row, have a bigger, a longer losing streak. 
The Celtics, by the way, have the longest winning streak in the league by a couple of games. They've won six in a row. The Cavs are now in a tie behind the Atlanta Hawks uh, or tied with the Atlanta Hawks at eight and five. Celtics play the Hawks this week. So that's going to be an interesting uh, matchup there. By the way, I think the Celtics should roll the Hawks. But now we're getting into seven wins in a row, eight wins in a row. Can they make it nine wins in a row? Not to get too far ahead of us or ourselves, but uh, I think when you look across the league, the competition, the Cavaliers have gone all in. And if they think this is their, their time to make a push, if they see this as the one year where, hey, we have this opportunity here to go and get our, our missing piece, this is our run, then maybe maybe they do make, make a, a, a push. I'm, I'm looking at the contracts here for the Cavaliers. Uh, I can wish I could have done this faster. <laughs> I should have, should have had this tab open already. Uh, Kevin Love at $30 million. Is that right? Yep. $28.9 million. It's an expiring contract. You can get anybody you want from that. If, if the Cavs want to talk to the Suns, and if that's the, if, I don't, I don't think the Suns would want to do that. But anyway, point is, you can use that money. You can use that money and make make a, a run. I would not be surprised. Would not be surprised if the Cavs are active players at the trade deadline. And that means the Celtics need to be active as well. And they have the Celtics have a couple of traded player exceptions. Like I said, they have Gallinari. They have potentially Peyton Pritchard depending on who's out there, depending on who's available between now and a month from now, this is, this is November 14th. So December 15th is when the trade market really opens. So there are things that are going to shake free. There are going to be players that you didn't realize are going to be available. I think that between December and beginning of February, there will be some surprises so the Celtics, the Celtics may want to be active and, and maybe, maybe, maybe so Cleveland doesn't get the player that they need. Maybe the Celtics go and pursue a guy because yes, it would help them, but also it would hurt these other teams because you don't want it. You might make a move to say, okay, this is a decent fit, not the best fit, but if it's great, it's a great fit for the Cavs and we don't want that player on there when we face the Cavs in the playoffs. That's another potential thing. So this, this concept of maybe it's not Kevin Love for Gordon Hayward, but the concept of the Cavs as, a, as an active team does put pressure on the Celtics to also be an active team. You have to be aware of who's active around you, what that means for you if they get certain players, and can you swoop in? And, and steal that player if it's a useful player for you? Or can you make a move that matches that move and keeps you that, that far ahead of the competition? Celtics, again, two and a half games up. Not that that means a ton, 13 games in, but still, the Celtics have advanced to, 
a half game out of first place and uh, at 10 and three, the second best record in the league. Uh, only the Bucks have a better winning percent percentage, and the Celtics are the only the Celtics and the Bucks are the only two teams with winning percentages above seventy percent. So, so far, so good. Finally, the question comes in from Andrew: Have you noticed more and more folks playing ball in sweatpants? Did President Obama start that trend? Uh, no, he didn't. Guys have been playing ball in sweatpants for a long time. Uh, I am not a fan of playing in sweats, but a lot of the Celtics are. A lot of guys do play in sweats. But also, also, I will say, this is this is me being an old an old guy. <laughs> the sweats like that I grew up on, the cotton, big, heavy wool cotton sweats, not not. No, you don't want to play in those. They get heavy and soggy and all that stuff. But nowadays, the sweats, they're made of that uh, uh, dry fit, sweat wicking material. You can play in those. And, hey, if you're out there, it's November, you want to get out and get some run, but it's a little little chilly, you want to throw some sweats on and go out there and ball, go for it. Uh, some people can, can shoot in sleeves. Some people can't. Some people... Uh, can play in long pants. Some people can't. Uh, I, I don't think it's President Obama, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of a lot of people out there balling in sweats. Like I said, I got no problem with it. It depends on the sweats. It really does. Big heavy cotton sweats. I can't do it because eventually it just sticks to your legs, and that gets annoying. I don't like playing things sticking to me. Uh, I always like to wear a shirt underneath my jersey because I don't want my jersey sticking to my body. Uh, I like the compression because that's just, it feels like it's part of you. So a lot of, a lot of that helps. And, and Hey, you know, I also probably will be playing a lot more in sweats because for me to play, I need compression. I need, uh, braces. I need bandages. I need a whole like scaffolding to keep my legs together. I'm like Forrest Gump when he was running, uh, as a child and he had those braces on his leg. Like I, I kind of need a whole lot of apparatus at my age to just go out there and play ball and not get injured. So yeah, maybe it'd be best for me to just kind of hide all that underneath a nice pair of sweats because then you basically, I don't want to get mocked. I don't want to get mocked for the, you know, the braces and the, you know, hydraulics and the, you know, cooling systems that I need to just function. I, you know, that's, that's how it is. Hope you enjoyed the show tomorrow is, or today is, uh, later today, Celtics thunder at the garden. I will be at the garden. I will be podcasting, uh, after that game somewhere. I don't know. Uh, they probably will be tearing apart the, the floor after that game because the Celtics are going on a road trip. So I'll either be posting posting this podcast really late from home or almost as late from the garden in another room. Just so you know, podcasts are late then. Uh, then Celtics and Atlanta later on, and then I will be in New Orleans for that game. Uh, so just subscribe to see where uh, I podcast. You can see where I podcast if you're on the YouTube page. And I love podcasting from the floor at these away arenas. 
so much fun. And uh, yeah, if you are a subscriber, please share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell everybody that they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.